0: Well, if you have your Bibles with you tonight, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Judges. Judges chapter 6 and verse 1. Judges chapter 6 and verse 1. Continuing our study on the portraits of grace. The portraits of grace. Today, we are talking about Gideon. The story of Gideon. So, we are going to begin in chapter 6 and verse 1. Chapter six and verse one. Today, this week, Gideon, grace to build faith, grace to build faith. If you're following along in our outline, uh, send your bullets in there. Your prayer bulletin. You're welcome to follow along with that. But we're talking about Gideon tonight to to build faith. Notice it says in Judges chapter one verse Judges chapter six rather verse one. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midden seven years. And the hand of Midden prevailed against Israel, and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens, which are in the mountains, and caves, and strongholds. And so it was, when Israel had sown, that the Midianites came, and the Amalekites, and the children of the east, Even they came up against them and they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents and they came as grasshoppers for multitude for both they and their camels were without number and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. In today's lesson, we learned that when we are trusting in God to give us victory, we have no reason to worry. No reason to worry. I don't know about you, but over the years, I've been, uh, I've used spray paint cans of spray paint and if you've ever used spray paint you know the first thing you got to do is shake it right there's a little marble in there they call it the p and uh, you got to shake that up and you got to shake it well if you want it to work right because if you don't uh, it's not going to mix up the propellant that's in there the gas or the aerosol and the paint's got to kind of mix up together and be thoroughly mixed. So when you spray it, it all comes out even and smooth. And you get a nice, smooth finish. Unless you're like me, and you always end up with runs. So uh, I, I've, I'm still perfecting the, the, the spray paint there. But, you know, sometimes in our life, God shakes us up, doesn't he? God brings some pressure in our life that he can shake us up because maybe he thinks we need a little shaking up (laughs) and God will give us put a little pressure in our life so that we will trust him more so we'll rely on him more and so he'll do that and that's what we see here in Israel let me ask you this question has there been a time in your life that you felt inadequate to face a challenge or difficulty Has there been a time when you felt inadequate? You just thought, I cannot do this. I don't know if I can do this. That's probably how Gideon felt when God called him to be the leader of the nation of Israel during their time of struggle. He felt inadequate. You know, Gideon lived in the time of the judges. And I talked about that a little bit last week. Remember, I talked about the downward spiral of judges and Gideon, he's in the sixth cycle of those downward spirals. There's seven of them. Remember we talked about seven? There's seven of them. And he's in the sixth one. And the children of Israel have gone through that cycle. Okay? And we read about that, didn't we? How they, they left the Lord. They followed idols. And so God punish them and god sent the midianites and the amalekites and the children of these to come and to chasten them why so that they may turn their heart back to god and in doing so god is going to provide them a leader a man who will deliver them and lead them and help them and that's where gideon comes in god is going to call gideon to lead israel but at the time of his calling, we're going to find out he didn't really feel adequate. He felt like he was not ready. But we're going to look here tonight how God prepared him. Yes, he, was, you know, he felt inadequate, but God's going to take care of that. And Gideon's going to get to the place where he can lead with confidence, as God wants him to. So tonight, let's look at three ways God's grace prepared Gideon to be a great leader. Three ways God prepared Gideon to be a great leader. Number one, grace for a humble man. Grace for a humble man. We pick up the story here in verse 11, chapter 6, verse 11. Notice it says, And there came an angel of the Lord, and sat under an oak, which was in Avra, that pertaineth unto Joash the Abizurite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. So we see here letter A, we see Gideon was selfless. What's he doing? He's threshing wheat and he's hiding it. Why is he hiding it? Because there's a fear there. He's afraid somebody's going to take it away. He's afraid that the Midianites are going to see him. And they're going to take the very little food that he has for his family. But he's trying to feed his family. He's trying to take care of them the best that he can. Under the difficult situation that he finds himself. Not only do we see that he's selfless, but letter B, we see Gideon was submissive. He was submissive. You know, at first... When Gideon heard that angel say, Thou mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you, his answer back, his retort, showed, I think, a little bit of anger. Wouldn't you say there's a little bit of anger there? (laughs) When he says, well, if that's true, where is the God of Israel? In his mind, God had forsaken them. So he was kind of blaming God for his troubles, wasn't he? It was, this is God's fault. But that's not the case. It wasn't God's fault. Verse 1 tells us that it was their fault. It was the nation's fault. They're the ones who forsook the Lord. They're the ones who did, who disobeyed Him and did not follow Him. But God, even though the nation didn't appreciate it and the nation was Away from God, what was God doing? God was acting in grace. What was he doing? God was finding a leader. God was preparing a man. And that's the way God is, isn't he? Many times God is working, even when we don't realize it, God is working behind the scenes. Even when maybe we're not right with him, even when maybe we're away from him, God is still working. And you know, he's that good shepherd, isn't he? He's that good shepherd. He is the one who's always going after the sheep, the lost sheep. He leaves the 99 and he goes to find the lost one. And that's the way it was with his people. God hadn't given, turned his back on them. God had not forsaken them. He was preparing someone to lead them and to give them the victory over their enemies. And so he found a man at first. Gideon didn't see himself as part of the solution. He did not see it that way. He was saying, no, not me, Lord. I am not the person. But you know what? God was going to bring him to that place where he was going to be part of the solution in his life. Notice it says here in verse Well, we picked up here in verse uh, 14. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, if, not, if now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. So Gideon, he's a little reluctant at first, but God gives a promise of victory. Okay? He promised his presence, and he promises his protection. He says, you're going to have victory. I'm going to be with you, and I will protect you. And Gideon says, okay, <laughs> show me a sign. Give me, some, give me some evidence. And God does. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says, And he said unto me, Grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. You know, when we find ourselves in a difficult situation, where we find ourselves in an obstacle, we need to quit blaming others. Don't blame other people. And that's so easy to do, isn't it? Isn't that just a... And sometimes it's just a natural reaction. It's just that old flesh. That old flesh is, you know, it's just right there. It's right on the tip of our tongues. Just to say, well, it's your fault. What are we doing when we do that? Well, we're blaming God. Because God's in control of all things. You know, when I blame my wife for my problems, who gave me my wife? God did. (laughs) So blaming her, you know, I'm blaming God. When we blame our parents, who gave us our parents? God did. we got to be careful. We can't blame. we got to look at ourselves. And, my, and, not, and can I say, nine times out of ten, it's our fault. It's our fault. And we just need to admit that. But even though we, we, we should not be blaming others, let's remember, we still have a great God. We still have a great God. And we can always trust him, even though we do sometimes make our own troubles. We do sometimes, you know, because of our own problems, our own sin, but we still have a gracious God, and he does care about us, and he will supply. So we see a humble man. And, you know, a lot of times we just need to humble ourselves for God to use us. Just humble ourselves, admit our faults, and trust the Lord to lead and guide us. And that leads us to point number two. Grace for an obedient man. So we have a humble man. He's humbled. But now we need an obedient leader. Someone who's going to obey. Go down to verse 36 of chapter 6. 36. Now, during this time, God's calling him and God's showing Gideon what he needs to be doing he still has some questions. He still has some doubts. And let's don't be too hard on Gideon, because if we're all honest here, we all have doubts. We all all face our doubts. And I wish I could say that I'm at my stage in my Christian life, and, you know, 30 years in ministry, and being saved for over 40 years, that, you know, I'm... I am without doubt trusting God. But that's not true. I still have doubts. So that's just human. But here, so Gideon had some doubts. He had a big task. He was facing a great obstacle. And so let's don't criticize him about his doubts, but rather let's see what God did. How did God challenge him and God solve that? Give him some confidence. And we see here, letter A, the development of faith. The development of faith. You know, God never scorns a sincere heart that is seeking to believe. Someone said that. God never scorns someone, even if they have some doubts. Even if they're not sure, God never scorns them. Who's truly seeking to believe the truth. And follow the truth. Notice it says here in verse 36, And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said... Now let's stop there. That should have been enough, right? God said he would do it. Isn't that enough? (laughs) Well, obviously it wasn't. He still needed some more. He needed some more encouragement. Therefore, behold, I will put out a fleece of wool in the floor... And if the dew be upon the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And so it was, and so, it was so, for he arose up early on the morrow, and thrust the fleece together, and wringed dew out of the fleece a bowl full of water. And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me. I will speak, but this once... And so God answered that, and sure enough, it's still not enough. He needs another, He needs another uh, sign. He asked God, give me another sign. So he says this. He says, um, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece, let it now be dry upon the fleece only upon the fleece, and all the ground let, it be there, let there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. So God did it again. And, you know, with that, his faith was strengthened. It was strengthened. And he was able to trust the Lord. And, you know, again... Gideon, how much of the Word of God did he have? This. That's what he had. Right here. How much do we have? And really, are we any better? (laughs) Are we any better? Sometimes we doubt. We have all the promises of God, the complete revelation of God's word, and yet sometimes we doubt. But praise the Lord, our God is graceful and he is patient with us and he is willing and he sustains us and he gives us the confidence that we need to trust him. And that leads us to point number, uh, uh, so we see the development of a, this man, development of faith. Letter B, we see a display of faith. A display of faith. And, you know, there's there's going to be times in our life when our faith will need to be strengthened. There's nothing wrong with that. When, when we're weak, our faith is weak, at least we know where we can go. Where can we go? We can go to the Word of God. We can go to the Lord in prayer. You know, it's, it's not the fact that we're weak is with the problem. The problem is that when we, when we are weak and we know it, we don't do those things. And we go outside of God. We go outside and try to find the answers. When really, all we need to do is go to the Lord. So when we find ourselves that we're weak, let's go to the Word of God and let God show us the, you know, His strength, His promises that we can rely on. And we see here that now in chapter 7, we see that God gives the plan. And we see that God... Uh, says to Gideon, bring down the army. Now, I don't have time to read all of chapter 7. You can read it while I'm speaking. Go ahead. But basically, God says to Gideon, call the nation. Call the people to fight. And the Bible says 32,000 men show up. And then God says, tell the fearful, tell the ones who are worried to go home. And 22,000 leave. And he's left with 10,000. So God's dwindled the army down. And then God says, take those 10,000 and I want you to tell them to drink from a brook. And the ones that that remain that I want you to choose are the ones who lapped a certain way. And now God's dwindled it down the 300. 300 and that's the lord's army the rest can go home now many people have tried to describe or tried to explain what god was doing and why god was doing what he was doing i've you know why you know when he had him go to that stream and had him drink in a certain way why did he choose the 300 what was so special about them and i've heard different arguments i've heard that well the 300 had no military experience and so therefore God was choosing them so that he would get the complete glory from the victory. Some have said that no, the 300 were the true military men, experienced fighters, and therefore they could be trusted to do the job that God wanted them to do. And so those, two, those are the two theories. I have my own theory. I think God dwindled it down to 300 because that's all God needed. He didn't need 10,000 people. He needed 300 men. And 300 men were sufficient to do the job. And so he narrowed it down. I think that's the way God is. God doesn't need a surplus like us, right? God doesn't need a surplus or... He doesn't need a plan B. He doesn't need a plan C. Plan A is going to work (laughs) because he's God. And so he's going to go down to 300. Now that must have been a step of faith for Gideon to wonder, wow, this is totally against conventional warfare. This is totally against common sense and wisdom. But yet, this is God's way. And this is what God does. And that's where Gideon had to learn to be obedient and trust the Lord. And then we find an obedient man for this and trust God's wisdom over man's wisdom. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Simply that verse says, God knows all things. He knows all. He knows our thoughts. He knows everything about us. He knows the future. And so therefore, he can be trusted. We need to obey him. And sometimes when God wants us to do things that may be unconventional to what the unsaved say or what the unsaved do, what do we do? We trust the Lord and we follow his wisdom, not the wisdom of of those around us. And that leads us to point number three tonight, grace for the faithful man. Grace for the faithful man. And we see letter A, a clear plan. A clear plan. The weapons God chose were, again, unconventional for warfare. God said to them, give every man a ram's horn or a trumpet. Okay, he said, give them a clay pitcher and give them a lantern. Those are, the, those are the weapons. <laughs> and of course, we know the purpose of those weapons. Those weapons were to confuse the enemy. To confuse. Because God was going to... Because those men were not going to have to pick up a sword. Not right off the bat. Later they would. But God had His plan of what, how many of those Midianites and Amalekites and children of East were going to die. They're going to die by their own swords, by their own countrymen. And so God used these weapons or these materials so that they would be confused and fight against one another. What does this prove to us? It proves us this, God's wisdom is higher than man's wisdom, and we can always trust him. Even if his methods are unconventional, even if his methods are not, you know, certified by the unsaved around us, we can always follow his methods because they work. Because he's God. And we can trust him. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. And then letter B the complete victory. God gave Israel the victory that day. And notice what it says here in verse fifteen. Uh, actually, let's go down uh, to verse nineteen. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came into the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch. They had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow withal. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp, and all the hosts ran and cried and fled. And the three hundred blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the host. And the host fled to Beshittah and Zarephath, and to the border of Abel Meholah unto Tabath. And the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali, and out of Asher, and out of Manasseh, and pursued after the Midianites. And then go to chapter four. Chapter 8, rather, I'm sorry, and verse 4. And Gideon came to Jordan and passed over he and the 300 men that were with him, faint, yet pursuing them. We see a complete victory. One hundred and twenty thousand Midianite soldiers killed themselves in battle. Right off the bat. 15,000 ran for home and Gideon pursued after them. You know, it would have been fine to say, you know, it's only 15,000, let him go. We got the major part of it. But that wasn't God's plan. God wanted him to pursue after them. And so he did. They pursued after those men and they even had to cross the Jordan River. And the Bible says when they got to the Jordan River to cross over, they were faint yet pursuing. So what does that tell us about following God and God's plan? It tells us, number one, yes, we got to trust God's wisdom. But also, we need God's strength. Because we're going to get tired. We're going to get weary in ministry. And following God and doing what God wants us to do, you know, like anything else, it's going to get hard because we live in a hard world. We live in a sin filled world. And God doesn't want us to quit, He wants us to be faithful, even when it's difficult. And so we learn here that God wanted Him to keep going. I don't know if you ever heard of Norman Geisler. Norman Geisler, probably haven't, you might have heard of him, but Norman Geisler was a well-known um, apologist for the Christian faith. He was known uh, for his uh, stand on the inerrancy of scripture. He believed there, you know, the inerrancy of scripture, the Bible was the word of God, inspired by God without error. And he was a well-known apologist for different things. And he became a great theologian uh, for the faith. But you know, before uh, he became a theologian, he was actually born and raised not very far from here, over in Detroit, Michigan, in in one of their suburbs called Warren. Maybe you've heard of that, Warren, Michigan. Okay, And he grew up over there. But you know, he didn't come from a Christian family. Actually, from a young age, his neighbor invited him to a VBS. Hey, won't you come to our vacation Bible school at their church? And he went to a vacation Bible school, and he didn't get saved. But yet, he still came to church. And they picked him up on the bus through all those years. You know, those elementary school years, and then those junior school years, and then those high school years, they kept picking him up and picking him up and bringing him to church. And finally, when he was a senior in high school, Norman Geiser got saved and went on to be a great believer, a great, a great servant of the Lord, a great theologian, apologist for Christ. You know, somebody had to be Faithful. For that to happen. Somebody had to say, you know what? We picked this kid up for years. He's still not saved. When is that kid gonna get saved? But they kept at it. They didn't quit. That's what God can do when we're faithful. That's what God can do. That's why it's so important. Let's just let's remember when we get weary, we need God's strength. Because we're gonna get tired. We're going to get tired because we're human. We're just flesh and blood. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, And let us be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Don't look at the physical results sometimes. Sometimes you may see no results in what you're doing for the Lord. Sometimes you may go through a time where God's not answering your prayer. and That's difficult. That's hard. There may go through a time where you don't see God working like you thought he would be. But you know what? God doesn't always work on the outside. Sometimes he works on the inside, behind the scenes. And it takes time. And we've got to allow God to do his work. So never judge what you're doing because of the outside. Trust God that he's working spiritually. So in conclusion here tonight, as we finish our study on Gideon, God is still looking for men and women who will be humble, obedient, and faithful. So what are some of the lessons we learned here this evening? Well, we learned the importance of being faithful in the little things. Let's be faithful in the little things of our Christian life. Those little things that we think, well, they don't really matter. Hey, well, they matter to God. Two, let's be humble, obedient, and faithful so God can use us. And then God's plans are far greater than our own. Just trust the Lord. Follow his plan, follow his word, and God will do great things.